Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is taken from our Not Abandoned series, which walks through the book of Exodus, seeing how God is always with us. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you. We'd love to hear how God used it in your life. We are, uh, we are covering ground today, all right? We are covering ground today. Uh, we are going to make our way through four chapters uh, in the book of Exodus. And the reason is because we're coming to probably one of the most familiar Bible stories that anybody would know, and that is the, uh, the story of the 10 plagues of Egypt. The 10 plagues that were on Egypt, we could do a, a message for every single one, um, but there's a, there's a great synopsis that we can gather if we look at all of them, an all-encompassing thought uh, that I believe that we can be challenged with this morning. Exodus chapter 7 is where we're going to begin here in just a minute. Many of you know that a few months ago, or about a month ago, uh, there was a, a number of us that went to Israel and had a great time in Israel. Uh, we had a great time, I'll say it this way, we had a great time in Israel. We did not have a great time getting to Israel or coming from Israel. That's why whenever I go with anybody to Israel, I'm taking a group here this next year, again, a group from a different church, and I tell people, listen, the worst part, the worst part of the whole trip is the travel there and the travel home. It's the worst part. How many of you have ever been on an international flight? You've been on an international flight. Well, if you ever go on an international flight, uh, many of those flights, and this one in particular, uh, we, flew, we flew from Spokane to the San Francisco area and then San Francisco to Istanbul, Turkey. It is a 14-hour flight, 14 hours. <clears throat> now, on our going flight, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about it. It was miserable. And by miserable, I mean epically miserable. And here's why. Children. Now, I love kids. I love kids. I'm the guy that when I get on an airplane and there's kids next to me, I make sure that that mom knows it's okay. Like, I'm not going to be the jerk guy that's like, keep your kid quiet. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be that guy because we've all been around that guy. I don't want to be that guy. But on this international flight, I became that guy. <laughs> and here's why. We were sitting and Hannah and I were in, our group is kind of all split up throughout the plane. Hannah and myself, it was me, my wife, and my mom, all in the three seats right there. I had the aisle, my mom had the window, Hannah was stuck in the middle. <laughs> and we're there, and as soon as we get on the plane, <clears throat> it was a uh, we're, we're around a bunch of different cultures, okay? So not everybody on there is from America. There are just tons of different cultures. And this mom sits down in front of us with two children. Probably the oldest was two and a half years old. So a two and a half year old and a one and a half year old. Maybe one. And I am not exaggerating. Those of you that went on the trip, you can vouch for me after service. I am not exaggerating to say, those two little girls cried and screamed the entire flight. At least 20 minutes of every hour, they were screaming. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. It hit a point about eight hours in that it was, it was almost comical. Robert and Beth were right behind us and Pastor Rob was like, this is not comical. Because I hit a point where I was just like, look at him, and I'd laugh. I was like, man, like, what do you do? 
But as we're going, we're sitting there and these two little girls are just screaming their heads off. I mean, not like, it's not, not a little whimper cry. Like, I don't even want to imitate it. I mean, many of you know I'll imitate anything. I don't want to imitate this. It's like a, a, like a shrill, like it sends chills down your spine, like somebody's dying on this plane. That's the type of scream that it was. <clears throat> and the mom, the mom didn't do anything. Like the children would just be like, ah! just going. And the mom has her headphones on watching a movie. I'm like, those headphones ain't blocking out anything. Pastor Rob had soundproof headphones, like headphones that are supposed to block out all the sound. And he was going, uh, you could hear it. That mom wouldn't, she wouldn't do anything unless, unless one of the girls did something like drastic, like stand up and scream at the entire plane. It's fine if they were screaming in their seat, bloody murder, but to stand up so the, the one little girl would get up on the seat and like grab it and just go, ah, you know, at everybody. And I'm like, whoa, you know, they're right. She's right here. And then the mom would just be like, wham, and slap her and pull her down. Remember different cultures, wham, just slap her, slam her down and just start yelling at her in a different language. And at that point I was like, oh, I don't know if I should be happy or sad right now, but... And then like three minutes later, shrill again. Well, there was one point in this plane ride. They're serving, it's an international flight. So they serve you a few meals. And we're sitting there and they serve the meal. And my mom, she, was, she had finally fallen asleep. There had been like a 30 minute window where that little girl had got quiet. And so mom, mom fell asleep. Hannah was kind of maybe dozing. And, and I was just, you know, sitting there thinking, all right, if I go to sleep, I'm going to curse it. Like, you know, you, you have that in your mind. If I, go to, if I go to sleep, they're screaming. So I'm going to stay awake. And so finally they got food in front of us. I'm like, oh, it's great. So I'm eating. Hannah woke up. She's eating. My mom's still asleep and her meal's just sitting on her tray. Well, that little girl, she put her face through the little crack. You know, she put her face through a little crack and she's just looking at me. And, and like, I'm, I'm like, I want to be sympathetic I want to be like, oh, hey, you know, and, but I don't want to upset the beast. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, she's quiet right now. I don't want to do anything. Like, I don't want no eye contact, you know. It's like, don't make eye contact. They won't sit next to you. Don't make eye contact. She won't scream. <clears throat> but then her little face pops back and her little arm comes through. The little seat, you know, the in-between part. And she grabs my mom's food tray and there's a little, there was, you know, they, they try to make it fancy. It's not, but they try to. There's a tray and then on that tray is like a little placemat and on that placemat is all your, your food. She grabs the placemat. Little girl's arm is through there. I can't see her face. She has like one little eye that's peeking through. She grabs the, the little placemat and she starts to pull. And all my mom's food starts to shimmy over that tray table. And I'm thinking like, she's going to spill that on my mom. And that is not going to be a good day. Like you can scream, but you ain't heard Judy Fountain scream. <laughs> I can say that mom's in junior, she's, she's in junior church today, clubhouse kids today, so I can pick on her. But I remember I'm thinking, she's going to pull that and it's going to spill. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to slap her hand. You know, I would never do that. Although I want to. 
wanted to, but I would not do that. I was like, well, man, what am I going to do? Like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to touch her hand. I don't want to cause her to do anything. And so she can't see me. So I just kind of reach over and I grab the tray. I'm reaching over Hannah, who's now fallen back asleep. My mom, who's asleep. I'm sitting here like leaning over both of them, grab the tray, put my thumb on that placemat as hard as I could. And I begin just to pull the other way. And so it's a little tug of war. Me and a two and a half year old. Lights are out. People are finally sleeping. The baby's finally asleep. Mom's finally asleep. And that little girl, she starts pulling. And I was just like, God, I need your help right now. And so I just kind of went like that and just kind of jerked it out of her hand just so she could. Now she couldn't reach it. And I pushed it aside. World War III broke out. Because she wasn't happy. She was just like, ah! She, this loud, high-pitched scream, and she stands up. She's like reaching her arm through. It's like she's looking for my face, you know? Like, I'm gonna slap something. And she's just going nuts. And I am sitting there thinking like, man, I should have just let her pull it and spill all the food. That would be quieter than this. Everybody wakes up. I look around, and people are just glaring at that mom. Like everybody, they're just looking at her. People, they had those little, you know, little sleep eye thing, cover your eyes. And people are popping that up, looking at her, pulling headphones, mumbling to each other. And that mom, she's just like, she's still, I'm, I'm, there's no way in God's green earth you were still asleep, lady. Well, then the, the next baby let out this loud shriel. That's when mom finally like did something. And she turns to him, she slaps both of them yells at him again in this other language. Now the whole pl- now the pilots are awake. Like they were on autopilot, but they're not on autopilot anymore. Everybody's awake now looking at this two kids scream and mom scream at them. I'm like, well, now I know where they get it. And she's just blaring into them. And she just, I mean, manhandles, just sits them down, covers them up. And she just, just starts yelling at them in this other language. And I'm just, I'm scared of mom now. But here's the, here's the point I'm, I want to make and get to. You ever been around those parents that it takes like an extreme emergency for them to like pay attention to their kids? You've been walking through Walmart and see a kid like throw a temper tantrum and mom's like doing nothing until kid like kicks down the, the, uh, the stuff, kicks the chips off of the, the rack or something like that. It takes something extreme to get mom's attention. This morning as we come to Exodus, I'm going to present a thought to you that unfortunately plays out in every single one of our lives. All too often, you and I play the part of mom, and it takes something extreme to get our attention. What do you mean, Pastor? All too often in your life and my life, God is trying to speak to you. God is trying to get your attention. God is, there are things. Now, God's not throwing a temper tantrum like a three-year-old, but God's allowing things in our life to get our attention. And it takes an extreme situation. It almost takes God shouting into our life before we listen. Why do we do that? That's the story in Exodus chapter seven through chapter number 10. If we come back into our study, remember with me, the children of Israel, they're enslaved in Egypt. They've prayed, God heard their prayer. 
God met with a man by the name of Moses. Moses, I'm gonna use you to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt. Moses and God have this discussion through some doubt, through some questions that Moses has. Finally, Moses relented and said, you know what, God, I surrender, I submit, I will be used. And God says, good, I'm gonna use you and I'm going to use Aaron. And last week we were uh, listening in as Moses finally concluded this conversation with God. I will be used and I will move forward. I will take a step of faith for you, God. So Moses and Aaron, they go before Pharaoh. Remember, they go before Pharaoh and they request that Pharaoh would let the people go. And Pharaoh says, I know not God and I, I will not let you go. I don't know who you're talking about. This Lord of this Jehovah, the God of the Hebrews, I don't know who that is. I won't let you go. And then Pharaoh proceeds to make things worse. And last week we talked about the thought. One of the principles that we gathered from that is sometimes things get worse before they get better as you and I follow the Lord. God didn't promise us ease in the Christian life. Sometimes things get better before they get worse. And well, they did that for the children of Israel and the children of Israel, they complained, but Moses, he just turns to God and says, God, what's going on? And God says, hey, I still am the Lord and I still have this. We're jumping now into that conversation still going on. Exodus chapter seven, take your Bibles if you wouldn't, let's stand. We're gonna start with seven verses this morning. Exodus Chapter number seven and verse number one, we read these words. And the Lord said unto Moses, see, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh. Well, what does that mean? Uh, Moses, I'm using you to represent power because I am the power, but you're gonna be my mouthpiece, Moses. I have made thee a God unto Pharaoh and Aaron, thy brother shall be thy prophet. Thou shalt speak all that I command thee and Aaron, thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh that he send the children of Israel out of his hand and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh, he shall not hearken unto you that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth mine armies and my people, the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians, they shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth mine hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. And Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them, so did they. And Moses was fourscore years old and Aaron fourscore and three years old when they spake unto Pharaoh. So Moses and Aaron, they're going to be going in before Pharaoh multiple times to make these, uh, make these requests. But God tells Moses what's going to happen. He's already told him a few times, but here's what's gonna happen, Moses, you're gonna go before Pharaoh and Pharaoh's just gonna keep saying no. But don't worry about it. I'm gonna show my power. I'm gonna show the people of Israel who I am and I'm gonna show the people of Egypt who I am. So Moses, you keep taking steps of faith. Moses, you keep moving forward. And I promise that I will release the people. Now, if you know the story of the 10 plagues, that's exactly what takes place. But the thought I want to gather this morning is really just a statement. And I want to encourage you as we get into the Bible today to have this mindset. I don't want to be a Pharaoh. Don't be Pharaoh. Who is Pharaoh? I'm just going to give you the message right at the beginning. Pharaoh is someone who God was trying to speak to and God was trying to get his attention. But what Pharaoh do? He kept hardening his heart. 
And it took extreme measures to get him to submit. I wanna encourage you today, don't be Pharaoh. We all have Pharaohs in our life. We all have times when we harden our heart against God. And this morning, the challenge is, don't do that. Don't wait for God to have to shout to get your attention. We're gonna see the principles this morning as we get into the word of God. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you pray with me? And just as you pray in your own heart, would you ask the Lord to help you today to hear from him? Would you ask God this morning to speak to you in a personal way? And then specifically today, would you pray? Would you pray this prayer? Would you ask God, God, would you show me anywhere in my life where my heart is hard toward my, my heart is hard toward you? God, would you show me anywhere in my life where my heart is hardened toward you? Dear Lord, I pray that you'd bless our time in the word of God. Help us to hear from you as you speak through your word. I humble myself before you. I need you today. I pray that you'd help me. Help me, Lord, show me any area in my life where I have a hard heart against you. Show me any area of my life where there's some resistance. Show each of us today, Lord, maybe a decision that we need to make to soften an area of our life for you. I love you, Lord. Pray that you'd speak in that right now. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Here's what I'd like to do this morning. Again, I understand we're going to go through, we're going to go through nine plagues. They, they call these the 10 plagues, but really there's nine plagues and then one, one um, judgment that is at the end. But some people say 12 miracles, 10 judgments. You can go and discuss all that later. We're going to cover four chapters. I'm not going to read all four chapters. It's a lot. So here's what I would encourage you to do. I'm going to give you a synopsis. We're going to go through. I'm just going to kind of show you up on the, on the screens, the verses and the thoughts that take place within those verses. I'd encourage you to go home and read Exodus chapter 7 through chapter 10. All right, do that on your own time this week. Maybe make a mental note and on your lunch break this week, go through and do that because there's a lot that takes place here. And we could, again, I could have 10 different messages for every one of these, uh, but we don't, I don't want to take the time to do that. I think think it'd be a little redundant. So there is a principle, though, that I'd like to bring out. But first, we need to know the story. So what takes place in Exodus chapter chapter 7 through chapter number 10? In Exodus 7, verses 9 through 13, Moses and Aaron go before Pharaoh for another time, a second time. They go before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says to them, how shall I know that God sent you? And God had already told Moses, if Pharaoh questions it, throw the rod on the ground. It will turn turn into a serpent. So they do that. They throw a rod on the ground. It turns into a serpent. Well, the magicians of Egypt, the sorcerers of Egypt, they too, and empowered by the devil, they throw their staffs on the, their rods on the ground, and their, sta- their rods turn to serpents as well. But then Aaron's serpent, Aaron's rod, eats up the others in demonstration that God is more powerful than anything that you can give. That's verses 9 through 13. But here's what the Bible describes in chapter 7, verse 14. The Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened and he refuseth to let the people go. Hey, you went in and you had this miracle that took place, but Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Chapter 7, verse 14 through 25 
Moses and Aaron go before Pharaoh again. They go before again. They make a request to let the people go. And if you don't, if you don't let the people go, we're going to turn the water into blood. Actually, if you were to go and read it, you would find that Pharaoh is actually by the water. One friend of mine said, he said, do you ever wonder if maybe Pharaoh was by the place where Moses was found as just a baby in a basket? Because that would have been by the palace. Something to think about. Maybe he's there, but Pharaoh's by the water and Moses and Aaron, they go before Pharaoh again. Let, my, let God's people go. And Pharaoh says, I will not do that. And they reach out and turn the water into blood. This was a very significant plague because it attacked the Nile River. The Nile River was the, the, the life giver, if you will. Without water, you're, everybody's going to die. But they looked at the Nile River and actually through the Nile River, they worshiped three different gods. Canum, Hopi, and Osiris. They were, uh, one was the guardian of the river, one was the spirit of the river, and then they believed that the, the Nile River was actually the veins, the blood veins of Osiris. And so as those veins got stronger, Osiris was blessing their land. And here's God destroying their false gods by turning it to blood. The scripture says that they had to dig deep to find water. And so they dug and they found water, but then they're magicians. They turned that water into blood. God's attacking all of their falsehoods through every one of these. And yet we find at the end of chapter number seven that Pharaoh's heart is hardened even more. Chapter eight, Aaron and Moses go before Pharaoh again. They request that Pharaoh would let the people go. Pharaoh refuses. And so they bring up frogs out of the land. Well, the magicians, they do their thing and they bring up frogs as well. I don't know why you would do that. I mean, to really show a miracle, why don't you get rid of the first frogs? The frogs were not necessarily worshiped, but the frogs represented the God of fertility and because they would multiply so quickly. They wouldn't eat frogs. They wouldn't kill frogs. They actually, they didn't necessarily worship the frog, but they worshiped uh, the fact that the, the frog represented life and, and growth and, and abundance. And so when all of these frogs would come up, they wouldn't kill them. You got a big problem because they can't take care of the problem. <laughs> well, Pharaoh goes before Moses and Aaron and says, hey, if you'll let the frogs, if you'll get the frogs out of here, go before God, get the frogs out of here, then I'll let the people go. And Pharaoh and Mo, or Moses and Aaron, they say, okay, when do you want us to do that? And Pharaoh's response is, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Why was his, here's my question. Why was his response tomorrow? In my mind, I think that Pharaoh was gonna try to figure out another way to deal with it. I'm gonna try to figure out my own way to go about this. And isn't that true in the life of a Christian that sometimes we say, God, I, I need you, but God help me out tomorrow. I'm gonna see if I can figure things out today myself. We all do that. Well, <clears throat> Exodus eight fifteen says, when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, so Moses and Aaron, they pray tomorrow that the frogs would go away. They do, they all die. They sweep them up into heaps. And the Bible says that they all stank. When Pharaoh saw that, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. Because of this, Exodus 8, 15 through 19 tells us that Moses and Aaron would conjure up, would, 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 would pray and God would put lice upon the land. 
Lice upon everything living, all the, all the humans, all the creatures, all the animals, everybody has lice. Have you ever had lice? Ugh. We've had lice outbreaks at different camps. I remember I was a kid. They shut a camp down two days in because of a lice outbreak. Literally hundreds and hundreds of kids going home with lice and being dealt with. It's just horrible. But this time, the magicians, they try to do the same. And notice what they come back and say to Pharaoh, Exodus 8 and 19. They couldn't do it. The magicians, they say unto Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was, what was that? What's that word? Hardened. And he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. Now his people are saying, Pharaoh, this is God. This is the finger. We can't do this. This is the hand of the living God. And Pharaoh hardens his heart. Exodus chapter eight, verse 20 through 32, there's another request. They go before Pharaoh again. And the Lord instructs them what to say. They go in and they say it and they tell him, if you don't allow our people to go, flies are gonna come upon your land, but they're not going to, the flies are not gonna be around the children of God so that you can know that there is a separation between the people of God and the people who don't follow God. And Pharaoh's heart is hardened and he says, well, Okay, I'll let you go, but I'll only let some of you go. And actually, you know what? I'm not even gonna let you go. You can sacrifice, but you can sacrifice in our land. And Moses says, that's not the request. Pharaoh's heart is hardened and flies come on the land. In this plague, God clearly distinguishes between Israel and the Egyptians. It was a judgment on their God, the fly God that they worship. I can't even pronounce the name. Well, Exodus chapter nine, verse one through seven, they go before Pharaoh again. And the request is given, Pharaoh's heart is hardened and God judges by sending a pestilence upon the livestock, killing most of the livestock. God destroys their economy this way. Pharaoh, in this section, he actually sends investigators into the land of Israel or the um, land of Goshen where the Hebrews were to find out if their animals died. And they come back and they say, no, the people of God's animals did not die. Pharaoh's heart is hardened more. Exodus 8 or 9 verses 8 through 12, the plague of boils upon all the living all the leftover animals and all the people that were still around, they get boils. And the magicians, the Bible says that they can't even come before Pharaoh because of the boils. And God allows Pharaoh's heart to harden even more. Verse 13 through 34, there's the request again. And if you don't do it, then fire and hail is going to come upon the land. And in this one, it's interesting though, because God told Moses and Aaron to tell Pharaoh Pharaoh, tell your people that we're doing. Tell, tell people that this is going on. Quit being so arrogant and thinking you can handle this. Pharaoh, tell people. Because if anybody wants to live, just bring their animals and their family inside when the hail and fire come down. And the scripture says that some believed that. And so they brought their, the, the, living, the rest of the living animals and family, they brought them inside and that hail struck. And anybody that thought, oh, this doesn't matter like Pharaoh, their animals and many of their servants were killed. Well, on this, Moses sends and he calls for Pharaoh and 
Notice what he says. Pharaoh sent, he called for Moses and Aaron and said unto them, I have sinned this time. I have sinned this time. Hey, this one time. The Lord is righteous and I and my people, we are wicked. Entreat the Lord for it is enough that there be no more mighty thunderings and hail and I will let you go and you shall stay no longer. And so now what's Pharaoh doing? Now he's doing this reluctant admittance. Yeah, I was wrong this time. And if, if, listen, if God will do this, then I will follow through with my promise. Moses did so. Pharaoh saw that it happened and it says, when Pharaoh saw that the rain and hail and the thunders were ceased, he sinned yet more and hardened his heart and his servants. Chapter 10, verses one through 20, the request goes before Pharaoh again, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no, locusts come upon the land. Pharaoh's servants, now they're speaking into Pharaoh's life and they said unto him, how, shall, how long shall this man be a snare unto us? Hey, let them go that they may serve the Lord their God. Knowest thou not yet that Egypt is destroyed? Hey, even now the people are saying, Pharaoh, come on, man, listen up. And so he calls for Moses and Aaron in haste and he says, oh, oh you're right. I've sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore forgive I pray thee my sin only this once and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. And when that request is made, the Lord allows Pharaoh's heart to harden again. Exodus chapter 10, verse 21 through 29 finishes with the last plague, the Passover, the death angel. We'll see that next week. But in chapter 10, verse 21 through 29, here's what we read. That Moses and Aaron, God just tells them, hey, just put darkness upon the land. So they pray and darkness comes upon the land and Pharaoh calls and he says, okay, you can go. Just leave your stuff. I'll I'll obey a little bit. Just leave your stuff. Moses said, that's not what God wants. And Pharaoh says, at the end of chapter number 10, Moses, get out of my sight. If I see you guys again, I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna have you put to death. Nine plagues. They all come, and they all come for a reason. And as we consider that reason, I wanna bring out a few thoughts as we look at this idea of don't be a Pharaoh. In order to help us today, I want us to see three simple thoughts. Number one, I want us to look at the heart of Pharaoh. Now, I gave you the synopsis of the story so that this part, we can just kind of go through it. The heart of Pharaoh throughout the entire passage, throughout these four chapters, did you notice that consistently Pharaoh's heart is hardened against God? At times we read that God hardens Pharaoh's heart But God did not harrow, uh, let me um, actually pronounce English and use words. Uh, A few weeks ago, I'm trying to remember, I think it might've been last week or two weeks ago, we mentioned that phrase that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Some commentators and some people would say that God did this against the will of Pharaoh. That Pharaoh actually wanted to soften his heart against God, but God hardened it. 
That is not the case. No, the, when it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, we can know two things. Number one, when you go to the beginning of the story, you find that Pharaoh has a hard heart toward God. Romans chapter one says that when people stiff arm God, God allows it to happen. He says, okay, I'm, I'm going to allow that to take place. So God was allowing Pharaoh to harden his heart. The second thing, the, one of the reasons it phrased, it's phrased that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh is because every time God told Moses to go before Pharaoh, he knew what Pharaoh was going to say. Parents, let me ask you a question. When your kids come before you and they're like, hey, dad, can we do this? And you say no. If they come back two minutes later and they go, hey, I know you said no, but can we do this? Do you ever just go, oh, okay. Okay. No, you become more staunch in your position, right? No. A minute later, hey, dad, can we? No. A minute and a half later, hey, dad, what in the world? No. Read my lips. Say it after me. Let me spell it out for you. How many of you have you've had those statements? You say, hey, let, let me just tell you in, I'm going I'm to say it in English. No. I'll say it in Spanish. No. I'll say it in whatever other language. No, French, nine. No, we're not doing this. That's all I could think of. Well, what, by them coming and coming and coming and coming, what does it do? It hardens you up, right? Well, God knew that. Moses, every time I send you before Pharaoh, it's just, it's just gonna make him hard. It's just gonna harden his heart. But we're not gonna stop in this because through this, I'm trying to get Pharaoh's attention, but Pharaoh's heart, it was continually hardened against the voice and the direction of God. I mean, the fact is that Pharaoh was resisting God. And God was not working in contrast to the will of Pharaoh. He was actually working in concert or along with the will of Pharaoh. So the heart of Pharaoh, what was his heart? It was hard. It was not soft against the things of the Lord. But I want you to notice, secondly, the heart of God. We can see God's heart throughout this entire story. And there's many people that want to accuse God of being heartless in this situation. I would like to present to you the Bible perspective and ask you this question. If God was so harsh, why didn't he just start with the angel of death? Why go through months of meetings. If God is a God of just judgment, then of only judgment, then why, why not just go? God doesn't even have to snap. No, I'd present to you that here's why. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering toward us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Hey, do you want to know why God did not just send the death angel? Because God is a God of mercy and God is a God of love. You know what God was trying to do through every miracle and every plague? The heart of God was trying to get Pharaoh's attention and the people of Egypt's attention. He was trying to do that. 
There were multiple times, even in the story, that God, in his mercy, gave the warning. Pharaoh, if you say no, flies are coming. Pharaoh, if you resist, fire and hail is coming. But tell people they can be protected if they would just go in the houses. Pharaoh, would you just, Pharaoh, Pharaoh. What what was God doing? Man, God's heart was filled with mercy. God was giving grace. But we do need to recognize that God's grace does hit a point. God's mercy does hit a point where God says, like Romans 1 states, okay. The Bible says it this way, Roman, or Proverbs 29, verse 1, he that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed not without, without remedy. Hey, you say no enough times, Romans 1. You say no enough times, God says, have your way. Here's Pharaoh. He's heard the message of God, seen the signs, and yet refuses to obey. One man said this, when there is continued stubbornness and refusal, there will be a higher level of responsibility. But what does God do? Even though God sends judgment and plague after plague, God continues to seek change in the heart of Pharaoh. Well, why? Because God is a God of mercy. He's a God of love. And yes, he's a God of justice and judgment. But he met that judgment on the cross. And at this time, he met that judgment in himself saying, I know Messiah is coming. I'm still giving you opportunity. And time and time and time again, God was speaking into the life of Pharaoh and Pharaoh was hardened against God. The heart of Pharaoh, the heart of God. Now let's talk about the heart of the believer. I want to wrap everything up today by asking you this question. What can you and I learn from the heart of Pharaoh and the heart of God in this passage? What would your heart be? What can your heart be this week? I simply want to say it in one statement. Don't play the part of Pharaoh. Don't play the part of Pharaoh. You know, God allowed all of this to take place to get Pharaoh's attention, but it doesn't convince him. All of these, all of these plagues, all these miracles, God does all of it, but it doesn't convince him. Let me ask you a question. What does it take to convince you? How often does God have to shout to get your attention? How often does God have to repeat himself with you and with me? I mean, how tough does God have to allow it to get to get my attention in life? I mean, how much better would it be to have a heart that is bent toward God that says, God, I submit. And the the, the thought I wanna give to you today is every single one of us, all too often, we play the part of Pharaoh and God is saying to us, hey, I just want you to step up. I just want you to be the husband. Hey, I want you to give. Hey, I want you to go. Hey, I want you to talk to them about the Lord. Hey, here's a faith step that I want you to take. And we... Harden our heart against God. Oh, God's not gonna spend, he's not gonna send a plague. (laughs) I mean, he may, but that's really not what the Bible says. Now here's what God does. He just keeps knocking with his Holy Spirit. And when you and I say no, God says, okay, have your way. And then God's gonna come back, knock again. If you say no, God says, Okay, have your way. 
You know, some people, they come to me and they say, Pastor, I just can't believe the problem I'm in. And it's a financial situation. And I say, well, before you made that decision, did you ever consider what God would have to say? Well, no. So God's supposed to just come along and fix all of our stupid decisions? Sorry, bad decisions? Sometimes we put that on God, don't we? God, I'm an idiot and you created me. Can you do something about this? And we blame him. We blame him for decisions that we make that are idiotic. My dad and I used to joke because he pastored for so many years. I can't tell you how many times I want to sit across the table from somebody and, and just be like, well, that was stupid. Sorry, again, I, I'm not supposed to say stupid from the platform. Oh, sorry. I'll say, that's silly. I can't believe you made that decision. I want to say that. But I know that I can't. And there's times I might. But I know that pastoral response is, well, let me, let me pray with you about that. Let me give you some biblical principles now that we can apply moving forward. But here's the thought as a Christian. Sometimes we just want to make all of our decisions and pray that God would cover us up at the end. Hey, quit hardening your heart. If God's spoken to you in a certain area, don't harden your heart. Don't be a Pharaoh. Sometimes we play Pharaoh because we, we live, uh, we, we do the foxhole confessions. What do you mean, pastor? You know what Pharaoh did multiple times? Oh God, I sinned this time. I'm in a really bad predicament this time. Okay, so God, if you'll do this, then I'll do, and we make deals with God. God, if you'll get me out of this financial problem, God, I promise. I promise I'll be kind to my family and I promise I'll, and I promise and I, we're making foxhole decisions. We're in a war at the moment. It's not real faith. We're not gonna keep it. Think about it. When's the last time you made a foxhole faith decision and it actually stuck? Yeah. Baby had the laugh at the perfect time. Yeah, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So here's my thought. Don't live a Christian life with foxhole confessions, which are desperate bargains with God when we are in desperate situations. Hey, Pharaoh, all he had to do All God was trying to do was get his people, Pharaoh, just to say, I submit. He is God. Yes, go. Do you think that through all of this, Pharaoh was like, nope, nope, they're not sent from God. I don't think so. Because he knew. How could you not know? The people knew. Hey, you know what? Sometimes in our life, we know that God is working and yet we stiff arm God continuously. Hey, don't be a Pharaoh. Don't live a Christian life with those foxhole confessions, making desperate bargains when you're in desperate situations. Instead, instead, be that person that just says, okay, God, I submit. All right, God, I'll witness to that coworker. All right, God, I'll step up in the home. All right, God, I'll... One man said it this way, problems are good in the life of a follower of God when they help us make permanent changes, not empty promises. Problems are good in the life of a follower of God when they help us make permanent changes and not empty promises. You know what Pharaoh had? Pharaoh had the idea that he could resist God and get his way and just be fine. He wanted what he wanted and nothing was going to change that. 
Pharaoh hardened his heart continually, time and time after God. And yet God still pursued him. Can I tell you, even the times that you, that you give God a hard heart, you know what God says? I'm still not gonna quit on you. I'm not gonna give up on you. Oh, he might let us live with the repercussions of a decision we made or the decision of that resistance, but God's not gonna give up on you. But the challenge I just wanna give us today as we close is don't be a Pharaoh. Don't be Pharaoh. Don't harden your heart. Whatever God speaks to your life about, get it right right then. How many of you have ever dealt with ants? You know, I think our house right now, I think, it's, I think our entire neighborhood is built on an ant hill. All of our neighbors, everybody in, in our like, about section of like six houses, there's certain seasons of the year that we, everybody has trouble with ants. You can spray, you can do whatever. You know what, I, you know what you've learned, and many of you know this, with ants, that if you're, you know, if you're in your kitchen and you look and there's one or two ants, what are you supposed to do? Kill them. Well, pastor, take them outside. Those are scout ants. And maybe you want to take them outside. Come to my house. I'll give you plenty. But a scout ant, a scout ant, they're coming to, they're coming to check the territory. And you don't wait till you see a stream of ants. Man, if I see one or two ants, I'm killing them right then. Why? I'm dealing with the problem. Those scouts can't go back. If they don't come back, then they ain't sending out the army. Why? Scouts didn't come back. There's danger. We ain't going there. I don't want to wait for that stream to come in. Can I tell you, you know what those ants represent in our, in our life? Sometimes we have little pharaohs in our life, little signs of a hard heart against God. Hey, at the moment you see the first sign, submit. At the moment you see the first time that you begin to push back, surrender. At, don't, don't wait for it to be a stream. Don't wait for it to be a no, God. In the moment you think, God, I just, in that moment, step back and say, God, I surrender. Hey, don't play the part of Pharaoh. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.